How have voting patterns in the Midwest and Interior West trended relative to the national popular vote presidential election since 2000? I'm Kara Ong Whaley, and this week on Politics is Everything, we're discussing part two of Miles Coleman's analysis on trends in two-party voting in presidential elections since 2000. As a reminder, part one covered the Northeast and South, and you can go back and listen to that episode for more. What Miles is doing in this analysis is comparing how states have voted relative to the national popular vote for each presidential election. In any given year, we're evaluating the lean of each state toward one party or the other relative to the national popular vote. And this week, Miles looks at the Midwest and interior Western states. The Midwest states include Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, Minnesota, Missouri, Ohio, and Wisconsin. And the interior West states include Alaska, he'll explain why, Arizona, Colorado, Idaho, Kansas, Montana, Nebraska, Nevada, New Mexico, North Dakota, South Dakota, Utah, and Wyoming. Spoiler alert, we're seeing a lot of red in these regions. So Miles, tell us what you found. Give us an overview of what you're finding for especially the Midwest states. Yeah, so a big reason of why I'm doing this series is, you know, I want to bring attention to what the, you know, what the real battleground states are going to be in the 2024 elections and what they have been in past elections, you know. You would think that, you know, Illinois is a pretty, pretty blue state, which it is. But, you know, if you look at something like Ohio, which is in the Midwest as well, Illinois is, you know, about 13 points more Democratic than, or was about 13 points more Democratic than the national vote was in 2020. Ohio, which we used to think as a swing state until recently, that's about 13 points right of the national vote. To me, that says a lot, you know, like Illinois these days is just as blue as Ohio is red. That's one way you could put it. Iowa, that same basically thing. Iowa used to, to be, you know, one of the quintessential marginal states until it took this sharp, abrupt turn in 2016. What I noticed is, conveniently for this article, few days ago, the the Joe Biden campaign put out its first round of state buys of where it's spending money. And Iowa and Ohio were not on that list, which I thought was very interesting because I think that could be a sign that they see those states as too far gone. You know, I remember in 2012, Ohio was the state. You had to, you know, that was the state that Obama gave some of the most attention to. Some of this just shows, you know, how these states have changed over the, the past 50 years. You know, there are some interesting trends, I think, you know. Illinois, again, has been fairly stagnant. You know, it's been basically parked about 12, 13 points left to the national vote for a while, but... It happened to be its most democratic in 2008 when Barack Obama was on the ballot. You know, what I thought was interesting is, you know, just to, to show how red states like states like Illinois, 
Ohio and Iowa have been. Yeah, if you went back to 2000, the only state that in that region that leaned over 10 points to the Republicans was Indiana. And now you have quite a few states who, you have 30 or 4 who have that type of Republican lean. And then, you know, not surprisingly, the two big kind of key electoral prizes in this region are going to be Michigan and Wisconsin. Both of them lean a bit more Republican compared to the national vote. But, you know, personally, myself, if I were doing the Electoral College ratings type day, you know, this hopefully not spoiling anything, but this is just my personal view. You know, I would start Michigan off as a leans Democratic state because, you know, it's still a bit more Republican than the nation as a whole, but it did see a bit of a snap back to Biden in 2020. Wisconsin was one of those states where I think Obama, as a Midwesterner, did well there is in a state like that, but it moves a little right of the national vote in 2016. It keeps drifting a little more red compared to the national vote in 2020. So that's why I think that, you know, even though the Democrats, you know, they did very well in that state Supreme Court there, what was that, last month, you know, I would still say it's just going to be a very hard-fought state. So one of the things that strikes me in looking at this analysis is really when we have traditionally talked about bellwethers, what we're really saying is that those are just states at a particular moment in time that have been the most competitive. Yes. You know, this is something I've always said is that, um, you know, people will vote for a party based on what works for them at that time. There's no such thing as a permanently red state or blue state. You know, this isn't in our region, but I think I may have mentioned it last week. But I guess it must have been two weeks ago when we did the last installment. But Delaware was a bellwether state from in the 50s up to 2000. You know, now we think of it as a pretty safely blue state. You know, I think you could make the case that a lot of states in this region fit into that category. Missouri as well. Going into the two two thousand eight election, I think Missouri had the longest streak. I think it picked the winners since fifty two or fifty six. But it's we now think of it as a solidly Republican state. One of the one of one. On that note, one of the longer streaks as well was Minnesota. You know that has. That has voted Democratic longer than any other state, thanks in part to Walter Mondale being from there in 84. But you know, it's voted for only Democrats since 1976. And more importantly, I think one reason why the Trump campaign thought they had a shot there in 2020 was that in 2016, as we show in one of our tables here, it was very slightly to the right of the national vote. That was the first time since, I believe, 52. But in 
in 2020, it snapped back. You know, sometimes these things are trends until they aren't. So in 2024, we're going to pay close attention to Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan. <laughs> Sorry. In 2024, we're going to be watching very closely Michigan, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. Let's look at the interior West states. And you group Alaska in with this cohort. Can you talk a little bit first about why Alaska is grouped in and then a little bit about the trends that you're seeing in the interior Western states? Yeah, so we put Alaska in the interior west region because just politically it seems to fit more like, you know, in that region. You know, it seems, you know, if you look at its building patterns, it's more of like a, it's more of like a Montana or, you know, or a, a sort, of, sort of a light red state. Uh, so that's why we put it there. Uh, you know, probably no surprises in the uh, Midwest. You do have a lot of Republican, uh, not in the Midwest, in the interior West. Um, you have a lot of Republican-leaning states. One of the, I alluded to this in the article, uh, but one of the biggest shifts, I think if not the biggest shift was in 2016 where North da Dakota went from being 24 points right in the nation to over 40. You know, it just wasn't a competitive state, so people didn't seem to notice it as much. But, you know, that, I think, made a big difference in the 2018 Senate race where Heidi Heitkamp lost. You know, she performed well, but it was just a red state. So the sort of, sort of reddening of the, the, the Dakota sort stuck out of me. In fact, I had a smart observer on Twitter point out to me that the Dakotas today are redder than they were in the 1984 election during Ronald Reagan's landslide. You know, I think part of that you could chalk up to local factors, you know, North Dakota specifically. Now, a bit less of a farming state now, more of an oil state. You know, that's help Republican prospects there. You know, you have some other, you have some other states like Kansas and Nebraska where Democrats have seen some good internal trends, but, you know, they've been fairly stagnant, leaning Republican, although, you know, at some point it's, you know, I'd be very surprised if Trump wins all five of Nebraska's electoral votes in 2024. He's probably going to at least lose the Omaha seat. Uh, and, you know, I think later this decade, there's a possibility that that the Democrats could get an additional electoral vote out of Nebraska. There's another congressional district outside of Omaha that's based in Lincoln. So that's getting still a bit Republican, but getting more competitive. And of course, that kind of key states are one note I'll say on the, you know, I talked in the Midwest about how Iowa and Ohio have really gone off, uh, gone off on the Republican side. You know, one, one of the equivalents of that, I think in the interior West on the Democratic side would be Colorado, you know. 
Colorado is not a swing state anymore. You know, in the Obama era, it looked a lot like a Virginia. It was very close to the national vote. Now it's nine points left. It's and then I think basically the the interior west equivalents of Michigan and Wisconsin are probably going to be Arizona and uh, Nevada. One kind of note I included on Arizona is even though we think of 08 as, you know, a big Democratic win, John McCain, you know, did not, he barely got above 45% of the vote in nationwide, so not a great Republican performance, but he did seem to have some pull in his home state of Arizona. Arizona in 08 was 16 points more Republican than the rest of the nation, but that's pretty clearly the highest it's been since 2000. I also want to draw out a little bit about Utah. Of course, it hits a peak in terms of leaning more Republican in 2012 when Mitt Romney was on the ticket, running 53 percentage points to the right of the national popular vote. But it actually overall since 2000 has trended less Republican. And I, you know, I wonder to what extent... I mean, it's still very far. <laughs> I don't want to make it sound like Utah's going blue anytime soon because it's not. But it, you know, that there's a pretty significant drop in 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 how Utah has been voting has been voting to the right of the rest of the country. And I wonder too, you know, to what extent that's really picking up the candidate quality issue on the Republican side. Yeah. So there's been. We had this meme on Twitter that some people believe in blue talk, but you know, <laughs> I don't think that's going to come anytime soon, but, but I do think that, yes, it's even George Bush did very well. There it was over 40 points right of the nation back in, in these last two elections, it's been more like 25 points right of the nation and you know, something that may have affected that, that I made a note of in the article is a lot of the, these Western states have a very high third party move. In 2016 in Utah, you had this odd situation where you had Evan McMullen, who was this anti-Trump Republican. I think he took about 20% of the uh, vote there. I basically had to exclude him, but it basically held up. It had about the exact same lean in 2020. So that tells me, yeah, you know, Utah is probably still, at, you know, it's, you know, that was a struggle for us because going into 2020, it was hard to get like a good handle on Utah. Okay. Yes. Like we knew it was going to be a Republican state, but you went from like Mitt Romney, who fit it like a glove, to Donald Trump, who didn't, and you had this weird third party. But, you know, we see Utah as basically a pretty Republican-leaning state. You know, there have been some pro-Democratic trends there. You know, if Donald Trump is a nominee again, does Utah slide a bit less Republican? Because, you know, he does... To say the least, he doesn't seem like a great candidate for the Mormon vote, you know, given his ethics and that type of thing. <laughs> I'll leave it. In conclusion, 
Iowa and Ohio, no longer presidential bat battlegrounds, no longer bellwether states. And next year, there's going to be some key Senate races in Arizona, Nevada, Michigan, Wisconsin, and then adding to this, Minnesota. Those are the key states to watch in the 2024 presidential elections. Any other conclusions, Miles? Yep, that sounds right. You know, it's definitely on the note about Senate races, I think. We have both of them as toss-ups, but, you know, one of the, the things that makes me feel a little better about, say, John Tester than Sherrod Brown is Montana's a smaller state. You know, it's a Republican-leaning state, but Tester won there in 2012 when it was, you know, 18 points right of the nation. It was more like 20 in 2020, so if Biden can just get that a little closer, that may help Tester. But I think what really hurts Sherrod Brown in Ohio is that it's just not going to get the type of attention it did in 2012. But, you know, it helped him having the big Obama turnout machine work in his favor. He's probably not going to have that this next time. So we'll see. And then you know, I, I felt bad after I wrote the article because I realized it's May 4th and I didn't include a Star Wars reference in there, but oh well. <laughs> well, Miles, may the 4th be with you. <laughs> Hi, podcast listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Politics is Everything. Editing and production was done by me, Kara Ong Whaley. Our theme song is Let's Boogie by Chris Fays. You can learn more about the Center for Politics and its work to strengthen democracy on our website at centerforpolitics.org. You can also engage with us on social media at center number four politics. We welcome your suggestions and questions for future episodes. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time.